Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Chicago Techies podcast, a podcast focused on highlighting the voices of Chicago Techies and their experiences. I'm your host, Ceci Fisher Benitez. Thank you for joining us. On today's episode, I am joined by Sergio Serrato, Head of Product Survey at Civics Analytics. Um, hey, Sergio, thank you so much for joining me uh, on this week's episode of the Chicago Techies podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you because you're the first product person I've had on the show. Uh, and I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about that and your career progression and you know, basically how you got to where you are. Um, so why don't we get started? Let's start with your name, pronouns, where you're from, and your occupation. Great. Uh, my name is Sergio Serrato. I am I, he, him. And my occupation is uh, I'm the head of product for surveys at Civis Analytics uh, here in Chicago. Um, head of product of surveys. Uh, can you tell me a little more about the role and all that it entails? Like how did, um, how did that come about? Sure. So um, Civis Analytics is a company that was born out of the 2012 uh, re-election campaign for Barack Obama. Uh, the founder of the company, Dan Wagner, uh, was with Obama. Uh, from the very beginning, uh, from 2007, 2008, during the, the historic uh, and unprecedented like primary campaign where a virtual unknown with a, a strange name, Barack Hussein Obama, uh, became the, the Democratic presidential nominee uh, while running against Hillary Clinton, the wife of the former, of the last Democratic president. And uh, Barack Obama is and remains our big data president. He has been very data oriented. The way he ran his campaign uh, in 2007, 2008, relied heavily on analytics. Um, his uh, analytics team in 2012 helped uh, organize a re-election campaign that was by no means a certain done deal. I believe a year before the election in 2011, uh, Nate Silver uh, predicted that uh, Barack Obama's chances of re-election in 2012 were like one in ten, about 11 percent. Um, the Obama re-elect campaign w- ran a very sophisticated data operation. That data operation s- ceased with the with the election of uh, Obama in 2012. But uh, the team went on to found an uh, analytics company that uses data science uh, to help people make decisions. Uh, the idea at Civis is that they're bringing truth with data. And uh, since the very beginning, uh, they've always, one of those sources of truth has been uh, surveys. Uh, the entire world was shocked uh, at the election of Donald Trump in 2016. Uh, th- that had to do with a lot of bad polling, a lot of uh, surveys that were missing something in the population. Civis has, uh, through its history, um, and through its uh, background in data science, uh, developed methods to get a better read on a population. Uh, they've decided to uh, take that survey uh, knowledge and distill it into software, and that's where I come in. I uh, have a very unique set of skills that brought me to Civis's attention. Civis recruited me. Um, Prior to October, I lived in Southern California, where I was born and raised. I lived in the city of Santa Monica working for a healthcare IT company. But uh, in my background, I 
am a market researcher. Uh, my first career was in political polling. So using surveys and understanding sort of the, the deep technical knowledge it takes to execute a survey, which is different from like hands-on keyboard, like coding in SQL or coding in uh, JavaScript. Uh, it, there is a lot of technical skill that it takes into creating a survey, writing a survey, sampling, bringing in, and uh, pardon me for the jargon, but like uh, the term sample means uh, who you want to take your survey, how you count them, how you uh, balance their demographics so that they look like the rest of the population uh, using a, a method called weighting. Um, so they needed someone who knew about surveys uh, and they needed someone who knew about software development, which is also part of my background. And they knew someone who knew about product. So these three circles, uh, that if you look at them as a Venn diagram, I stand in the middle. And uh, that's how Civis found me and uh, started talking to me. And uh, they had some tough problems to solve. Uh, and I'm up to, up to that challenge. Yeah, that's awesome. I did see that in your background, you um, have web developing experience. You're a full stack engineer. Um, it, it sounded like, did you attended a boot camp or did you go to school for computer science? I did not go to uh, school for, uh, for web development or computer science. I am a product of General Assembly's uh, 2015 summer course in LA for uh, web development that was focused on JavaScript. Uh, but I came out with like a deep love of Ruby rather than JavaScript. And so uh, in retrospect, that summer 2015 was among the happiest of my life because every day I was learning something new. It was so hard. Uh, but man, did it feel like I was gaining a superpower. That's great. I mean, it feels really good to learn new skills. I mean, I, I've, I've been a product of that too. In the, especially in those times of transition, you know, like you, um, you feel like you need to just upskill. Um, and I, I've, I've definitely done that too in, in my career. Um, I know though, I want to kind of go back a little bit to, um, you, you talked about how you got kind of got into tech to through product and that, but before that you, um, were a researcher, right? Like you did a lot of research, um, and you kind of started your career in research before your transition to tech. Can you speak a little bit of that transition and how did you manage to kind of transition from like a different path in research and just moved into product? That's a uh, great, great question. Um, so uh, yeah, market research, survey research, political polling, uh, that all sort of aligned with what I studied in undergraduate. Um, I'm a, I studied sociology in college and uh, the, the, the technical skills I got out of that were survey design, research design, learning how to use software to analyze data, uh, and the, uh, I began my career doing political polling, uh, in, in a very strange turn of events. I was, I'm currently working at a very democratic firm, but in the beginning of my career, uh, I like to say because I was young and I needed the money. I, I, I worked at a Republican polling firm. Uh, in fact, it was a Republican polling firm that was founded by, uh, Ronald Reagan's pollster. Uh, Ronald Reagan had, had a preferred pollster that he worked with before he was governor of California, until, up until he was after uh, he was president of the United States of America. Anyways, this polling firm was a great place to learn a lot, and I worked directly for the founder. Uh, and uh, I decided, though, in 2005, uh, particularly during the week of um, Hurricane Katrina, that this is not the place for me. And uh, it was in that week of Katrina that I saw something in polling that I have not seen before or since. 
And that was, it was a project for the Pentagon. Uh, at the time, the Iraq war was in full bore and the recruitment efforts were in high gear because they needed people to go. Uh, the, the marketing of the Pentagon is about talking to uh, black and brown parents who want better lives for their children and who understand that in the military, uh, that is a path forward if you have less options in terms of, of education. And um, so consistently, the, the support for African-American parents for their children to go to enlist in the military was something, you know, in the 30, 40 percentage range. In the week of Katrina, it went to zero. And I realized that uh, this role, this company, uh, this is not the type of uh, work that I wanted to involve myself with. I would prefer to do research that benefited the world in some way, or at least didn't harm it. And so uh, I uh, decided I would really like to do media research, and I would really like to go back to California, and Southern California, and be with my family. And so I put myself on a path to do that, and um, ended up doing uh, media research at a tech, at a, at a entertainment, at a company that focused on entertainment, uh, on movies, television, and video games. And my first project in LA was doing brand tracking for Xbox. And eventually I was doing pilot testing for uh, shows that were on MTV. And uh, I tested a couple episodes of uh, Breaking Bad for AMC, which was amazing. Uh, and a couple episodes for HBO, uh, specifically uh, True Blood, if you remember that vampire show. And that was really great and wonderful. Um, great show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so like, uh, I learned a lot about sampling. Uh, the company I worked at OTX actually did was a pioneer in how they used uh, how they talked to people on the internet, uh, which was novel at the time. And uh, I worked with a lot of great people and learned a lot. And uh, because of the technology aspect, like, because we're doing streaming video in the era, like right before YouTube became everywhere, 2005, 2006, like we were, I was learning about flash cookies. I was learning about like how we fingerprint people. I was learning about um, different issues that could arise in between like the the browser and the uh, uh, the router. Uh, it was just a fascinating uh, way to enrich skills. And so like there's a statistical work that takes to analyze the data. And then there's also the technical work it takes to get video encoded and um, streamable and viewable. And then there's the checks that you need to do to make sure people are paying attention to a survey uh and so all that came together for me uh to say i'm in order to do my job i have to be able to use this software and i have to be able to understand what is technically feasible and what is not uh every every custom project every custom survey sort of had its own unique requirements so it was like being a mini product manager uh on a case-by-case -case basis to help our clients answer research questions and uh yeah so uh, i had a very dynamic uh Somewhat, something of a mentor, uh, a man named Paul Bates, who uh, worked with me at OTX, hired me at OTX, and then uh, went to market share. And then I eventually moved over and, and joined him there, uh, being a non-technical product manager. But it was great because uh, as I joined, um, the company grew. It exploded. And so they began hiring product people from Google and like engineers from MIT. Uh, and I, I was introduced to uh, the tech people of LA that way. And to me, uh, my time at MarketShare was like graduate school because I understood what the gaps in my knowledge were, but at the same time was able to like learn a lot by doing and interacting with uh, this whole set of people who had a very different background than I did. 
That's that's awesome. And I, just out of curiosity, just because I noticed um, on the civis page recently that um, the they, they were recognized as a government tech um, 100 for one of the top companies to kind of like, you know, be kind of innovative and, and whatnot. Um, I was just curious if you've done any um, any work with the public sector and like how have you worked on if you have worked on any, any cool projects um, around that? So, uh, yeah. Uh, Civis is uh, working currently with the state of Illinois and a few other governments at all levels. Uh, and we are helping them with COVID response. Because this is a world where we are dealing with a pandemic uh, and there are a lot of different competing models on how to assess uh, what decisions should be made based off that data. Um, the state of Illinois has engaged with Civis to help us, help them understand the, the the differing models that are out there and uh this is public information um uh governor pritzker uh mentioned civis in a in a recent uh a press uh conference and it is interesting we are also working with the gates foundation uh to do uh sentiment tracking around civis and doing deep dives in states that are especially affected by by covid uh, on top of that, uh, some of the technology that my, my team, that I product manage and my team works on, uh, is being used at, at reading public sentiment. So as part of that, I'm, I'm very plugged in to what, uh, Americans are thinking, uh, including people of color and, uh, Hispanics and, uh, people of color are, uh, overwhelmingly affected by the economic, uh, shutdown, uh, because of, um, COVID. And at the same time, uh, they're also mo more vulnerable uh, mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. Uh, th this is this is sort of the, the, the downside of being so plugged into sentiment. Like, I really feel it. Like, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm sitting in Chicago, sort of connected to the rest of the world by because we have our fingers on the pulse of uh, America through our technology. And uh, we are we are in for a tough time. It is it is astonishing to me how rapidly things can change. Yep. I mean, working in tech, we kind of see it, but uh, have something to have to have the world change so quickly, but uh, be in a position where you can help in some small way is is comforting. Um, so we're working with government clients. Uh, we're working with uh, governments at all levels. Um, in this advisory capacity where uh, we can bring data. And so there's the data science side of the business where Civis has a data platform. Uh, and that data platform is where you can bring different databases, different sources of truth, and then work with them together, clean them. Uh, and then where there are gaps, you can uh, use our survey tools that are also built on the platform to go out and retrieve more insights and supplement your, uh, your decision making that way. Yeah. And I mean, you you mentioned a lot of things, but I definitely uh, empathize and connected with the whole issue of COVID and hitting our community. Um, definitely, I feel like, and it, I mean, you said it. There's a, a variety of um, reasons why, but I mean, let's just face it and talk about it. Like the Latinos and 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 Black people are basically the frontline workers. You know, they're what they're considered essential workers. Um, vegetable pickers, you know, uh, bus drivers, all of that. And, uh, and they're the ones that are being affected the most. And 
it's just, it's heartbreaking. I mean, I think the U.S., I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even going to have an opinion on that. <laughs> but oh, no, please. Well, the U.S. has been failing us, all of us. You know, like our government has failed us um, on that on that front. Um, I, I have to say the same thing, I mean, about Mexico. Like right now, is uh, COVID is hitting Mexico like really bad. And especially in my hometown, I mean, I come from a very tiny town of like 700 people. And um, the average death in, you know, in a year, that's is like two or three at most. Right now, we've lost eight people, eight elderly folks in the last three weeks. Um, and, you know, it's a very tiny, small town. The nearest ventilator is five hours away. It's not, you know, there's, there's no, no big uh, hospitals. Um, so it's just, it's just really been heartbreaking to see my community, especially where, where I was born, suffer this much. And it's just, you know, it, it's heartbreaking, all of it. Um, compounded with the fact that like uh my family my my father's family is uh closer to mexico they came in the 70s um the the state of michoacan uh, parts of it are are not you can't visit because there is a real war going on there's on top of this there's a drug war yep uh and so like i i completely understand i have a hot take and I, i don't think it's very controversial but we are watching and we have been watching for maybe the last decade, maybe since the last uh, huge economic catastrophe in 2008, we're, we're watching our institutions fail us. Uh, and, and if you want any more evidence that our institutions are failing us, the, the, the congressional relief for uh, Americans is $1,200, which is basically a couple of gift cards to Buffalo Wild Wings. Like, I don't understand how uh, prior to COVID, 40% of Americans could not afford a $400 emergency, according to a Federal Reserve analysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone who was deemed non-essential uh, and could not work, um, I, I have quite a few of those friends back home in uh, the Vario that I grew up in. Um, my friend Leobardo, my friend Osvaldo, like uh, they, they, they just couldn't work. And they have families and they have rent and like uh, $1,200 is not sufficient. Uh, and yeah, we, we, we've been let down a lot and we've been disappointed at all angles and it, it doesn't help at all that we have this, uh, this fool in the white house, uh, <laughs> that, uh Trump is not, is not making things easy for Americans. Nope. Uh, and, uh, bad governments, uh, are, are, are not, uh, yeah, are, are, are not unique to the United States. Um, and there, there, there are major problems. Uh, I am, however, very confident and hopeful that uh, our technology is going to make things easier and better, given that, that uh, if you know where to look for the right information, you can help make some good decisions. And uh, just from a personal perspective, like uh, I, I can't go and visit my family in Southern California right now because it's dangerous to travel. And both of my parents are, are, are in the, the, that high-risk population because of age and such. And... Uh, uh, but I can FaceTime them and I do speak to them like on a daily basis. And that, that makes things easier. Uh, so, uh, but we'll, we are in very interesting times. Lair on top of that, this, and like, let's talk about, since we're talking about problems that affect people of color, let's, but not just people of color are, 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 are responding now, but we have a, a problem with policing in America that is not making things easier. And my concern long-term is that, uh, 
COVID is going to be with us a long time. I'm wondering if COVID is going to be another reason for police to stop individuals and ask them questions. Um, I think New York City uh, had some stats about who was being checked for like masks and uh, guess guess what kind of population that was. <laughs> us. <laughs> ah, yeah. People of color. But it is a good day. It is a great day. Um, uh, it's a great day to arrest the people who, the officers who killed Breonna Taylor, for example. Yes. Uh, it is, yes. uh, I'm glad that, that those names are out there. I'm glad that the stories are, are, are salient. They, they are changing opinion. So one of the other things we're tracking uh, as part of um, the work at Civis is uh, uh, opinions on uh, police violence. And uh, we are looking forward to having some uh, information put out in the media very shortly. So uh, I can't talk about it in, during this interview, but like uh, maybe by the time this is out, you can add to the podcast notes. And, but yeah. we're really excited about this data. Absolutely. Feel free to uh, share it with me if it does come out before this. But um, yeah, that's the, all, everything that's going on is just a lot. And I'm, I think we're all trying to do our part. Um, I know that when we, while we were talking about um, the assistance, you know, the government assistance for families, I know there were a lot of different projects that are community led. Um, I know that, and we're going to talk about Tequeria soon, but I know that Tequeria also fundraised um, to get uh, funds for immigrants, you know, and, um, and I know the government had some of those programs too. I, I know because I work for Code for America and, you know, I have visibility into that kind of stuff, but we must do better. Um, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I am. I am extraordinarily, uh, when I say technology, like, yeah, I was sort of alluding to the ability to, to donate to causes uh, through e-commerce, through, through knowledge networks like Decadia. Like it is, that, that has been one of the greatest positive, like, outcomes of this is that people are generous and it's easier to scale that. For sure. So before we move on to Tequeria, I do want to ask you uh, a personal question. Uh, what is your favorite part about your job? Uh, at Civis, at, at I'm, I'm working with a, real, a lot of really smart people uh, who have a lot of different opinions. Uh, and it's really great to, to get their feedback on the product. So uh, I enjoy the, the the interaction of um, having these uh, very smart, many of them UChicago PhDs in like statistics, uh, bring me what is cutting edge uh, methodologies and working with these survey scientists who are also very, very bright and helping them take uh, what are, what is cutting edge in you and then turn that into software. Uh, so it's, it's a process and a journey and there's a lot of iteration and there's a lot, there's, there's mistakes and there's, there's tests and pilots and such, uh, in seeing what's going to work and what's not, but, um, being able to rely on this team for, uh, for innovation has been really great. And just kind of a follow-up to that, has within your team or even at Civis, have there been resources available to you for um, as far as mentorship goes or any kind of like career progression and advancement for their employees? Uh, yes. So the, uh, the, the team uh, at Civis, uh, specifically leadership, has taken uh, an interest in, in my work and uh, they are very much uh, there to help guide me on uh, what 
the business is going to be doing and helping me formulate that strategy to execute what is going to be a multi-year uh, program to iterate through different ways of uh, producing higher quality surveys uh, with automation. So uh, for me, uh, yes, uh, I, I can't really speak to other people's experiences, um, but it is uh, the most diverse company I've ever worked at. I don't think I've shared this perspective with many of my coworkers, but like this is as diverse in tech as I've ever seen it. And I really appreciate that. That's good. I know that um, there was obviously a struggle for a lot of companies to kind of diversify their staff. Um, I've been pretty fortunate, though, to also kind of work at places that have had a good amount of um, people of color and Latinx folks, especially uh, that, you know, they started their ERGs or, and things like that. Um, but that's definitely still something that we're trying to kind of improve. And I think this is where Tequeria kind of comes in. Um, you're part of the Tequeria group for Chicago. Um, and you, I think you're also the, uh, one of the leaders for the Chicago chapter, correct? Yeah, I'm currently volunteering to help organize uh, and do more events uh, for Chicago. Um, I was a member of Tequeria in Los Angeles. And what really blew me away about Tequeria is the very first event I went to, it was it was technical. It was not, it, it, it was, it was for developers, by developers. It was high quality content and just so many, so much Spanish. I, it was, it, I had never seen anything like that before. And that was very empowering. Yeah. And for those of, of who are listening that are not familiar with Taqueria, Taqueria is a nonprofit that serves the largest community of Latinx in tech. Um, and they have several chapters across the States as well. Very similar to Latinas in tech, <laughs> uh, but they, you know, serve all, um, the thing that I really liked about uh, Tequeria is that they're very, um, they have take a lot of pride in their values. Community first, radical inclusion, over communication, positive vibes, and very data driven. <laughs> um, and I had the pleasure of meeting some of the leaders and, and the co-founders um, in when I was in San Francisco a few years ago for Latinas in Tech Summit. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm really excited to see that um, Tequeria has come to Chicago and, you know, kind of is starting to uh, build out a plan for 2020, 2021, um, and have more events here. Um, I see, I definitely smell some collaboration between Latinas in Tech and, and, and Tequeria in the future. Absolutely. Um, well, well, so I had, I had, the moment I got to Chicago, I was looking for, for I love going to meetups. I, I love, I love learning. And one of some of the best venues are these deep dives, uh, in tech. And, uh, I, uh, attended women, uh, a couple of women who code events. One of my colleagues at uh, Civis, for example, was uh, organizing a couple of events that came to the Civis office. By the way, the Civis office in downtown Chicago, one of the most beautiful spaces I've ever worked in, in my entire life, all about creating spaces where you can either work quietly in like a library setting, or you can work collaboratively in one of many like couches or like huddle rooms. It is, I'm so sad that we can't work in it, but it was also a great place to have events. And one of the reasons I was so interested in helping organize Tequeria is that I, I wanted to bring uh, the Tequeros to Civis. Um, unfortunately, we're going to be doing lots of Zooms going forward. Uh, they're really interested in skill sharing and networking. And uh, we are planning some, uh, some Zoom meetings to uh, fill that need. Uh, starting first with a virtual meet and greet that we'll be having in the last week of July. And I will uh, be uh, communicating about that shortly. Uh, I'll have a firm date, uh, hopefully, to go into the podcast notes and maybe an RSVP link. 
we would uh, like very much the Tequeros of Chicago to talk to each other. For sure. That's awesome. Um, I would definitely love to join in that. Um, that sounds like a great event. Um, I'm always up for meeting new people, even if it's right now virtually. <laughs> so let's let's kind of transition to your experience in tech and as a person of color kind of also now, now navigating like a transition from to, from LA to Chicago um have you encountered any issues or have you struggled in any capacity um as you navigate the tech industry yeah uh for the the to me the the the, the biggest uh hurdle in uh breaking into tech uh has basically been my own head i um i've always found resources available and my experience is very unique maybe i've i've had an over, overly i've definitely had an overly positive experience and part of that is because i think growing up i've always my first language was spanish uh, i did not learn english until i was six or seven i had I actually repeated the first grade because i had language problems uh with speaking english uh and, and i still do as you can tell uh i think assimilating being someone who is who's very comfortable in 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 the white context though always being mindful that when i was in my uh college classes or in my uh first early careers yeah it, 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 i didn't see many people who looked like me it, it, i was often like the only like uh mexican american in the room uh which is why i i'm so impressed with what i see at civis um but uh it is difficult to ask questions it is difficult to to feel that if you ask a question you're going to i don't know uh be less than so um it's i'm intimidated by the knowledge of others when it comes to tech and i'm not sure if that's imposter syndrome um or just my ego getting in the way but um i think uh my biggest barrier has always been asking for help for help which is one of the other reasons that I, I seek out community through things like that idea. Resonate with that. I feel like my, I, I similar way, uh, I've always kind of been intimidated as well by others and how much they know and how much, um, and how long they've been, like because of how long they've been in tech. Um, and, you know, given that I've only been in tech for the last, what, four years, I feel like somebody that has been in tech for 10, 13 years is definitely superior. <laughs> um, and I definitely do think you know, that's imposter syndrome. Um, I think that uh, from the people that I've been talking to in the last, you know, few years in tech, I feel like there's that common thread of imposter syndrome and thinking that we're just not enough. Um, but it's not, it's not the reality. You know, we are here because we are supposed to be here and we're here because we've made it this far because we know, um, we are good enough. And, um, I just have to kind of keep reminding myself that, that no matter where I go, um, I'll always have those feelings, but I just have to remember that I'm here for a reason, you know, like I was here I, and for you, you, they asked you to come. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so definitely, I, I resonate though with that. I think that's something that we're always going to be uh, struggling with as we navigate in the industry. Um, so what actually, what advice would you share for anyone that may want to get into the tech space? Find, find, find a tribe, find a cohort. Um, it's, it's always uh, empowering to go into the Tequeria channel, look at the, um, the, the coding channel or looking at at some of the conversations that are having happening in the UX or the random channel and seeing these people talk about, you know, uh, how they're setting up a cryptocurrency. Uh, DevOps is interesting. Like 
there's just so many spaces to go in and there's so much uh, in the technology stack to learn that um, the full stack is maybe a misnomer because there's always going to be people who are going to be better at something, one part of the technology than others. For example, I really like data. I really like having, I really like the back end. Um, only recently did I figure out how to do front end stuff a little bit better. Uh, but being aware that things are changing so fast and that there's always opportunities to bring a little bit of focus. When you have a, a focus, you can, you'll have some specific questions. Uh, if, for example, if you're looking for help or if you're looking for a mentor, think about the question that you want to ask and think, is this something that if I ask someone, can they answer in, in four sentences or less? Uh, and then you know you have the right scope of the question. Uh, because like, like, how do I CSS is a big question. Uh, how do I SQL is a big question. But um, how do I do a case statement in SQL is a better question uh, because it, it, it helps narrow like what you're going to talk about and keeps you from drowning in uh, analysis paralysis. Have a better idea of what you want to learn, I think, is a good way to think about it. And how about for someone that wants to go into product, uh, someone new that has no background in it? Yeah, and uh, I'm really excited about this one because uh, I, uh, a product manager that I, that I interviewed is about to start at Civis, and um, the, the product manager I is... The product manager role has exploded over the last few years, five, six years. It seems to be that there's now a pipeline of schools you can go to. You, you can go to General Assembly, you can go to product school, and that's interesting and different. Um, however, uh, if you don't go to those schools, the easiest way to get into product is to know something about an industry, your job, for example. Like I was in market research and I ended up in research software. So I, I had uh, domain knowledge. So uh, are you familiar with the, the, the statement, uh, software is eating the world? No, no. A, uh, Andreessen, Mark Andreessen, who uh, in the, marketed and developed the first web browser, uh, has an investment company. He wrote this manifesto ta talking about how software is eating the world, but everything that is done in the world of brick, of brick and mortar will one day be done in code. And that has proven to be true. As we look at companies like Airbnb, DoorDash, like uh, on and on and on, wherever you sit in the world, there, there is software that can make it better, optimize it, uh, interact with it, and uh, learning that space really well will will help you move into product management. Because if you have a background in construction, for example, there is construction management software that is really hot right now. It's built in Ruby and Rails and Santa Barbara and like interesting company, but yeah, you, you could uh, leverage your, your domain knowledge into product management if you know how to define a problem and um, write requirements to help potentially solve that problem in collaboration with engineers, but also business people. Gotcha. Um, awesome. Well, this has been really, really illuminating, even for me, too. Um, I didn't really have much context into what product uh, folks, you know, worked on. And, and it sounds like a really cool, um, you know, adventure, a really good journey um, that you've gone through. Um, now I'm just curious about your goals. Like, you know, what's your goal? What's next for Sergio? What are you planning on doing in the future? Well, uh, I can tell you from now till November, I'm going to be helping making uh, Civis's survey technology uh, better and more efficient. And uh, it will be hopefully of use to um, 
changing uh, the the whoever lives in the White House in 2021. Uh, that's goal number one. Uh, goal number two is to make sure that uh, I can recruit uh, more product people to come and work with us at Civis. Uh, we're looking for uh, my new boss, for example. We're looking for a, a vice president of product. If there are any uh, listeners out here that uh, are interested, please get in touch. Uh, and uh, beyond that, I want to make sure that uh, my legacy at Civis is of a, a great, robust product that solves the problem of measuring public sentiment uh, through the internet. Um, Long-term, uh, I don't know. The, the world's going to be very different. I, I don't know if um, COVID-19 means that we're going to be unable to uh, work in an office again. It seems that a lot of tech is going remote, and that really changes uh, my options. I've always wanted I've always wanted to live in a big city. Uh, since college, I've wanted to live in New York City, uh, but Chicago. That's one of the what's one of the siren songs of Chicago is that this is a big city with great transportation. And um, but I wonder uh, now that it I don't have to be in the city. Uh, where 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 in the where in the United States? or the world, uh, could I go? We have so much flexibility. Um, and hopefully we can get more uh, diverse folks into this space and um, make sure that they succeed. Yeah, we, we, we have to. I mean, I think the educational model now because it is gonna change abruptly as well. So um, I went to a, a four-year university, but I don't think, and for years I've been telling my, my younger cousins this, unless, Unless you're really confident in, in, in the value of what you want to get, you don't necessarily have to go to a four-year university. You, you can get a technical skill somewhere. You, you, can, you can learn. Um, uh, you can apprentice. Uh, there, there are different types of education that you get that are not necessarily four-year. I believe that that change is now going to be accelerating uh, because I don't think the, the four-year university system as we see it today is, is going to survive. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at Northwestern. They're kind of moving quickly in creating their own bootcamp too for uh, like a like a web immersive bootcamp. And they they were like the first university to kind of jump on this in Chicago when all of the bootcamps were starting for software engineering. Um, but I definitely agree. Um, you, all right, so how can people connect with you? Uh, anyone that might be interested in that role for BP? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, please uh, send me an email at uh, Serrato S E R R A T O at berkeley.edu, B-E-R-K-E-L-E-Y.edu, uh, and, uh, or connect with me on, on uh, LinkedIn, uh, Sergio Serrato, uh, search for that, uh, or on uh, Twitter, uh, where I am at data plus product, or join Tecaria uh, and join our Slack channel and send me a DM, and you can find that at tecaria.org. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I'll put all those links and resources also on the show notes so that people can, can have access to that. Um, well, I mean, I think that's all I have. So thank you so much, Sergio, for coming to the show and, and speaking with me today. Thank you, Zezi. Uh, have a great day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Chicago Techies podcast. If you enjoy listening, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review on iTunes. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at Chicago Techies on all social media channels. Thank you again, and we'll see you in two weeks.